James Merriman applauding. Oh, look at this. Henry Cotter. Oh! Twisted Henry just sacrificed the body. He goes hard into the woodwork. He had to commit to pain to keep that ball out of his net. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen. My name is Christian Jack. We've missed you. I've missed, you certainly missed us as well. I know we've not been here for the last couple of weeks because we've been busy. We've been chasing games all around the country, midweek games, different storylines, but we're back and thankful to recap what was a fantastic week 24 in the Canadian Premier League, a week where we crowned a regular season champion and another team clinched a crucial playoff spot, while the race to secure the other final playoff spots has turned into a stroll rather than a sprint as those teams continue to drop points surprisingly. We'll get into that later as well. We start this week, though, with two games on Saturday that happened in Ontario as they created the biggest storyline of Week 24. We're bringing in our very own Charlie O'Connor-Clark, who joins me first. Charlie, heading into the weekend, Cavalry had a six-point lead over Pacific and a seven-point lead over Forge with just three to play. That meant this. If Cavalry win the league, if Cavalry win against York, they win the league title. If Pacific did not win in Hamilton, Charlie, you were there for both games. I'm mean, the first game of the triple header on Saturday. Cavalry got their side of the job done with a one 0 win that wasn't convincing, but was enough. What did you make of this game? And was it like watching champions elect before they even got awarded the trophy? It was in in some ways. Uh, obviously, Cavalry have been an, an incredible. Uh, for in the last few weeks, and when you watch them play, you can see that there is that focus and that that uh, maybe driven energy around them, knowing that they completely controlled their own destiny down the season, no matter what happened in that, that second game. Uh, that night in Hamilton, they knew that if they just continued to get their job done and do their business, they would end up being the regular season champions. And they came into this game in York as they have approached a lot of their away games this season, uh, knowing that they all they had to do was find a way, and that's kind of what they did here. This was not the best performance of their season, not of their seven-game unbeaten run. Charlie Trafford said after the game he felt it was one of their worst of the season, but they won 1-0 with a clean sheet on the road, which says a lot about the standards of this club and how high they hold themselves. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's, he's right in some ways. Uh, 38 final third entries for Cavalry, their lowest of the season in this game, uh, obviously against a York team that is fighting for their lives, as we'll get to in a sec, but... Uh, again, Cavalry find a way. They get through that one time, courtesy of, of Meyer Bevan playing Camargo across for that goal. Uh, and that's, that's really all they needed. I mean, York had a couple of chances, but it felt like, you know, Tommy Wilden Jr. said after the game that there were moments where it just felt like there was a force field around Dan Klomp and Eric Cobza and Marco Carducci keeping the ball out. And in many ways, you make your own luck in football, but uh, certainly it just felt like almost destiny for Cavalry to win that game that day. 
Yeah, it certainly did. I said on the broadcast that I think the old Sir Alex Ferguson Man United would always say that they were happy with those 1-0 wins, even when you don't play well. And yeah. they earned that, right? They earned the ability to have that benefit of the doubt factor because they played so well over the long stretch. Um, we're going to do a deep dive more into Cavalry a little bit later. But Charlie, being the fact that you spent so much time with them, I know we were with them Friday night for some more content as well. And then you were there at the game on Saturday. What impresses you the most about this group and particularly their mindset as they headed into a weekend that some things they could control and others they couldn't? Yeah, you can tell that there's kind of a tone set around this club by some of the people that have been there since day one. And obviously, Marco Carducci, the captain, Sergio Camargo, the goal scorer in this, uh, in this not technically crowning game, but the last game they played before they were uh, officially champions. Maybe it's a little bit fitting that he is the goal scorer. Uh, and obviously, it all, it all starts with Tommy Wilden Jr. at the top, just setting a tone of, of focus. And, and they kind of have made sure this season in many ways that they're not particularly interested in what's going on elsewhere in the league. They're not always particularly focused in, on what the other team is doing. They play uh, their kind of football. At least they try to at the start. In, in, those, in games where maybe that doesn't work immediately, they've shown an ability to be flexible and to change what they have to do in a game like they did against York. They sh- shut down a little bit. They sat back. But... The way that they carry themselves certainly feels like champions, right? They're they're a team that uh, enter enter any stadium in the CPL, and you know they feel like a big club coming to town, right? Yeah. They uh, and and they they certainly have earned that reputation over the years of being a hard team to play against. But there's something maybe a little bit more intangible about them this year, where it it almost just felt like it's about time for them. It it, it is their time after five years of being one of the top teams in the league with really nothing technically to show for it. And they were a little, they've had a chip on their shoulder about that for a while. And certainly this was the year they came in and, and decided that, you know, it's, it's, it's time we have to get it done. Yeah. 12th win in their last 16 games in the CPL, which is a remarkable stat. Here's uh, Tommy Wilden Jr. And his reaction from York line stadium after this one. Yeah, I think that's it. It was a gritty performance versus a pretty performance. And that's what, you know, it's interesting. This and Charlie, I just heard about what he'd said after the game, given man a match. I think this is, what this team's about is there's a humbleness and a hunger about them that, you know, we haven't won anything just yet, so we're still hungry for that. We were good first half, average second half, but we thought if we're not going to connect on passes, we'll just see the game out. And we relied upon that a little bit too much. Um, I encourage them afterwards, but so many of them went, yeah, sorry, Gaff wasn't my best performance today. We can be better. And that's the spirit you want going into the business end of the season. We'll get to Cavalry in a second. They did their end. We're going to bring in Mitchell in a second to talk forge. But before we do that, a word on York United, Charlie. Um, three straight losses. Improvement, do you think? What did you overall think? Before we hear from Martin Nash, what did you think of the team? Having been at York Lions a lot for lately, for particularly during this difficult run for them. Again, Mo Babuli was suspended. He's back next week, thankfully, for York United fans. Uh, and they're still in this race. We'll get into that in a second. But overall, what was your take from them in a game that was pretty close? It was certainly better, not quite enough, I think. Uh, that's probably about how Martin Nash would see it as well. He kind of sends a message to begin this game with six changes to his starting 11. Uh, obviously, when you get battered at home, as they have been the last two games, and especially last week against Pacific, you have to set a tone with that. You have to bring new blood into the into the lineup. Um, they were much, much better defensively. Uh, it was a, a bit of a different look back four I mean, with Johnny Grant and, and Caden Martin-Peru playing at the fullbacks. And Martin-Peru, by the way, had a very difficult job in his first start for the club uh, against Ali Moussi. And, and he did very well, I thought. Uh, and then and then Paris G coming in at centre-back 
they were a lot better and a lot more organized at the back in this game, I thought. Maybe still didn't have the movement or the dynamism up front that they needed to really get into those final areas. There were maybe a couple chances where they probably should have done better with the final ball. The execution and the finish wasn't quite what they wanted. Uh, but again, there was improvement. Uh, probably not quite enough of it for, for Martin Nash's liking because they, they have shown an ability to play well against Cavalry in the past this year. But again, at the end of the day, they uh, they remain alive and they know that right now all they really needed from this game was the response and that they will go into next weekend at home against Atletico Ottawa with everything, literally everything on the line. And it's going to be basically a, a make or break game for them at this point. Yeah, remarkably, they're still there. Still there. Three straight home losses and they haven't played well in, uh, enough in any of them to get the win. Uh, let's go back and uh, and hear some reaction from Martin Nash. He was certainly a lot more positive than he was uh, a week earlier when they got beat by Pacific by four goals to one. Yeah, I felt I got the, the response I want. I thought it was improvement. Uh, I can only think of the goal that they had really had a shot inside the 18. So I thought we did a lot better there. Um, we created chances, especially in the second half. We had them pinned in. We uh, Just nothing fell our way. I think Johnny had a great chance. Austin was in behind, had a really good chance. Uh, Marco did well, made a couple of good saves. So I think it was there for us. I think, you know, if you look at the, the game as a whole and the chances, um, I think people, a lot of people would say a draw would have been a fair result today at, at minimum. But, um, you know, got the effort I asked for. Now we need to produce that again um, next week because we're not out of this yet. They are, they are still in it, although it's been a while and it's been since June. That's right, three months since York United led 1-0 in a game at home. Uh, their first half records have not been good. And if they want to do well next week, they're going to have to come out the gate. Uh, with more on some player reaction, here's their defender. Here's Paris G. I thought we were better coming off the start, at least. Um, we kind of had an idea of what we wanted to do and how we wanted to break them down. A um, few mishaps in the first half led to a goal. Um, but going into the second half, I felt like we had decent control going into the last bit of the game and um, you know we had our chances and we just we needed to put them away you know and they went one um, little piece of magic to put on the back of the net and then maybe we won one but yeah I thought it was better and definitely better than uh, than last week's performance. So signs of improvement York remained sixth on 32 points what the victory did for Cavalry was put them on 49 nine points clear of Pacific who had to win to get back into to make sure that 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 trophy uh, would not go into the hands of Cavalry, not literally, but in terms of winning the trophy this season already as league champion. Six hours later, Mitchell Tierney was in Hamilton. Let's bring in Mitchell to join both of us. As that game kicked off, we knew there was a lot on the line for both those teams and Cavalry were watching. Uh, Mitch, I think it's a pretty simple uh, six-word question that has a very complicated ha- answer. <laughs> How would you describe this game? Oh man, I mean, it's a it's a cliche to call it a game of two halves, but this was a game of three thirds, maybe quarters even, um, you know, one of the biggest matches of the season potentially in terms of its importance and had an absolutely electrifying start Pacific score almost immediately and then Forge respond a couple of minutes later. And then obviously the match takes a, a really scary shift uh, when Kunle Dataluka and Malcolm Duncan collide at midfield. Um, the ambulances come on the pitch. Uh, there's a half hour or so delay. And, you know, there's moments even where you question whether the game was was going to continue. But uh, thankfully, and most importantly, both players appear to be doing okay, considering uh, both were stable and, and taken to hospital. And 
Uh, we'd expect further updates from the club this week, but uh, you know, Kunle has already posted on social media, which is positive and, and big credit to obviously the Tim Hortons field medical staff for, for their response to this. But uh, yeah, both teams get sent back to their respective rooms. They come back onto the pitch for a short warm up, and after the break, uh, as they tend to be, forge um, just the the better side. Uh, they seem to respond a little bit better. Shifted Rama. Uh, into a back three, brought on Suzoko and played pretty much the exact same system they had done before the break. Uh, they get their breakthrough through Pasillas' goal. Jordan Hamilton scores late, and you know they move up into to second place in a critical match for them. And now they look uh, heavy favorites to to finish there um, to end the season. Yeah, really well said, Mitch. Great job uh, by, by obviously the staff and the medical staff and everybody at Tim Hortons Field and our thoughts and press continue to be with Malcolm and Kunle. Great to see that they're on their way to their recovery and hopefully we'll see them back on the field soon. Um, the win from Forge, I think, really showed that this team knows and, and steps up in big games. We've been waiting for them to get into another gear, Mitch. You know, ultimately... They knew they weren't going to win the league. Cavalry had secured it by the fact that Forge were going to win it, but there's still so much on the line. Charlie and I spoke afterwards in our reaction. You can watch it on social media about just how much tension was on the sidelines and Bobby Smirniotis saying how much it meant for his team to win that game. Um, it was clearly a team for me that knew the value of securing second place uh, over what would be a third place game in terms of getting into that knockout rounds right away. Did you see that? And again, this playoff warm-up made a big difference in the intensity. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really good point on on Bobby and, you know, the fact that he didn't shy away anytime he was asked from laying out the importance of this match for his club. And, you know, as someone who uh, writes previews on a weekly basis and tries to get Bobby to hype up matches whenever I can, that's pretty rare. And, and so when he does, you, you take notice of it. And uh, I'd assume his team, and it looked like it, they took notice of it as well. And, and they really stepped up in this match and, you know... Uh, an excellent performance from them. I, I thought having Pasillas and Campbell on the field at the same time playing as number nines was, was a stroke of genius with what Batty Banga can do in behind them. And yeah, just as we said, top two is so big. Uh, it's such a big difference between two and three in terms of their ultimate goal, which is to, to qualify for that CONCACAF Champions Cup. But, you know, if they can finish second and now they look the favorites to do so, they're going to play a playoff match against Calvary, which they will feel heavily favored for considering the past and feel really good about going into that one. And if they can do that, they'll host, you know, only their second ever final in terms of, you know, hosting it. So that's a, a big deal for them as well. So, yeah, I think that it's, it was obviously a massive match and, and as they always do, they played like it. Yeah. They certainly stepped up when they needed to. Here's some thoughts of their head coach. Here's the aforementioned Bobby Smirniotis after this one with reaction at Tim Hortons field. Take away the first five minutes. I thought uh, it was, uh, it was very good. You know, it's uh, after the first five minutes is exactly what uh, what we wanted uh, uh, on the pitch, what we wanted tactically uh, from the guys uh, exploiting certain areas. The goals come from those uh, situations, which we thought we could uh, we could work on uh, against them. Uh, I think Polk was being brilliant. You know, he's a player we've missed uh, in the last uh, in the last two games and, and throughout the season with little uh, injuries and, and so on. Um, but his quality is there on both of those uh, service uh, into the box and just the play running up to that. Um, and our attackers have uh, have done the job, and uh, Rama's also done a job today. His uh, his first goal, and uh, it's a great reward for him for all the hard work and uh, and effort he puts in, uh, you know, for us on the on the defensive end of the ball. But uh, I think we've done a done a very good job. And then, 
you know, the game, it starts becoming tense as, uh, as you get past that 70th minute. You know, both teams start realizing what, uh, what the points uh, mean. You know, after, uh, after 90 minutes, where it'll meet for each team. They start pushing a little bit more. We start sitting and, you know, we know if you keep a very good compact block from them, you'll deal a lot with, uh, with crosses. And I think we, we did a good job from that and just find your moments from there. And great on the subs who've come in. They've all done a great job. And I'm very happy for, uh, for Jordan and that goal he scored. Big win for Forge, just their fourth home game, uh, fourth home win this season in the league at Tim Hortons Field. They were excellent. And for more on their tactical adjustment, read Mitchell Tierney's um, analysis. Great stuff at campiel.ca. Mitch, what about Pacific? Uh, as good as Forge were, Pacific did have chances. They led in the game. Reed had a great chance in the second half. But in the end, they got nothing. They started to have some disagreements on the pitch in front of people afterwards. They held a long meeting inside their dressing room after the game, which meant they didn't show up for any media availability after the match, uh, after that was uh, withdrawn. So what went wrong there? And, 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 and is there concerns? I think there's certainly concerns. And, you know, first of all, they had a perfect start. They score, you know, less than three minutes into the match and but then they immediately turn around and allow one the other way. So that's a really, a really tough start. And then, you know, I think the data Luke injury is, is massive for them. That's a player that especially recently, but throughout the season is a real difference maker um, down that side. And a big part of Forge's game plan was, you know, around neutralizing Kunle data Luke was something Bobby said after the match. And all of a sudden, you know, Poco Poku's freed up to, to deliver service uh, and just focus on the offensive side of the game. And then, you know, an aspect of their game that is usually so good in terms of dealing with aerial threats was was questionable for me in this match. And you you look at, you know, almost immediately out of that break, Pasillas hits the crossbar, and, and then they almost score on a play that's basically a carbon copy of that in, in terms of you know, just the same cross from the same area. So um, concerns there. And then at the end of the day, I mean, this had to be a real sobering moment for a group that, would have known uh, with this loss, you know, their chances at the regular season title that they led for large portions of the season were gone, but also they, they're out of, and they've lost their control of the destiny in terms of finishing top two. So a really tough moment for Pacific football club. And uh, I think understandable that they're really looking in the mirror and looking at each other and, and trying to figure out what went wrong so that they can, um, you know, have a positive end of the season that uh, to this point looks like, you know, it could end up being empty handed after so many promising moments. Yeah, all of that, those two games, those results mean the battle of the Topsies. Cavalry secured in first on 49. Forge are second with 42. Pacific third on 40. Uh, Charlie, I've kept you around for a reason. Uh, let's do a couple of minutes here on Cavalry as regular season champions. Just a special group. Uh, we'll finally get it done. Um, your overall thoughts on them and what we've seen on the pitch. It was a difficult start with those consistent draws about handing back points from winning positions. But in the end, looking back, they were positives, Charlie. No, the fact that they had so many wins uh, that were taken away from them. It, it, dare we say it could have even been a better season than what they've had so far? I mean, it could have, but probably not much. I think the thing that's impressed me about Cavalry, yeah, we talked a lot earlier in the season about Starting the year with four draws in a row, it felt like things were a little bit frustrating. And players have even voiced that to us recently, how they that stretch was tough for them. And it felt at times like maybe this system they were trying to play weren't working. They were, they were, they were questioning themselves. They were questioning what they were doing. And then it started to click a little bit more. A little bit more. After those four draws in, in the first few games, they had, I think, one uh, in, in early June. But they only have one draw since June 3rd uh, in, in the season it's just been, and that, and that was the the nil nil at Forge uh, a few weeks ago. 
they've been better than anybody else in one goal games. They've won 14 and, and nine of them have been by one goal. Uh, they've got five draws, as we mentioned, and, and only three losses in, in one goal games. This cavalry team just, you know, makes themselves incredibly difficult to play against. They've been really the, the best team in the league for probably about at least three months now, I would say, as we get towards the end of September. Uh, and and you know, we mentioned Pacific kind of being six points clear at one point in the middle of the summer, but Cavalry's momentum has just really not stopped since they started to click at home. They've obviously had disappointing moments that, that kind of collapsed, you'd probably say, in Winnipeg comes to mind, the 3-2 game where they mm-hmm. were well ahead. And, and you know, But I think they look back at that as a bit of a learning moment and they haven't really been shakable since then. And I think for me, not only have they really in the end strolled to the regular season title in the last few weeks here, the fact that they're able to pull out so many of these close games and win by these fine margins also sets them up extremely well in the playoffs where that's what matters, right? And and we can't forget that they are going to play their first playoff game at home against a second place team. They're going to try and win that game and host a CPL final and try and lift another trophy at Atco Field, which uh, is is really what they're probably all shifting their focus to almost immediately now. Yeah, process over outcomes, right? Even the loss in, in Winnipeg, they were up to knowing that game. They gave away a penalty. They lost the goal from a set piece. They, they, they played well enough to get something from that as well. Mitchell, uh, I guess final word to you. What's your overall thoughts on, on Cavalry? What's impressed you about them? Yeah, I think just their ability to control games from the very start. I mean, it's, I think, 21 of 26 matches. They scored the first goal, and then they've allowed just two goals in the first half in their last 16, which is incredible as well. Best expected goals numbers in the first half in the league. So, so often they go into that halftime break with with control. And, and we mentioned early in the season it was a bit of a concern that they were giving up these leads and squandering the points. But it's, you know, since then, I think it's once in their last 17, it's that aforementioned uh, match in Winnipeg that they've dropped points from winning positions. So they take control, they're able to see it out, and, and that's ultimately, a, you know, a recipe for success and a recipe over the course of, you know, well, it's been 26, but it will be over the course of 28, um, you know, a regular season title. Yeah, it's been fantastic to watch. Uh, you know, we love covering all sport, uh, everything about this sport. But the great thing about it is covering, you know, teams that win things, right? Uh, and we've all had a say in that in terms of, of covering them. They've been a pleasure to cover, and they've not—they're not done, uh, no doubt about it. But keep up the great work, Charlie and Mitch. Thanks for having you on the show. And of course, you can read their fantastic work at CampiL. .ca. Cavalry, a special group, uh, a special group have finally got it done. Uh, we sat down with some of their players recently to hear what they had to say about what winning the Canadian Premier League Shield means for their head coach, Tommy Wilden Jr. You'll have to think about Tommy Wilden Jr. as Cavalry Football Club have won the regular season championship and will be the first to lift the CPL Shields. Tommy is a visionary. Tommy is a manager that uh, is a leader first and foremost. I think the first word that comes to mind is passion. I think he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's you know, a guy that knows when to put his arm around you. The main thing is he's a winner and he wants to win. Tommy and I have built a relationship these last five years uh, on trust and on respect. And I think that's what he, he gives off and that's what he demands from all his players. Yeah, I feel like I've understood him my whole life. That's the type of leadership that I think kind of defines this club. 
um, even when things weren't going our way at the beginning of the season, stuck to the task and really led us through it. He's a leader by example. He um, is a big, a big culture piece, and, and he sets that standard. And I think, um, you know, you see that on the sideline. You see that everywhere. And he devotes all his time, his life, whenever we're at training, whenever he's not at training, um, to the team. It's, it's very easy to be to be loyal to someone like that and to and to fight. Uh, every 90 minutes for, for someone like that. We all have a good relationship with him. We, we all work in the same direction. And even in the difficult moment, he's always had faith in us. He's always been on our side. He loves to win, and I think that's why we're all here. We believe in the process, and we've uh, listened to him, and we're going to run through walls for him. To do it with someone like Tommy, who I've come to, to admire, to uh, respect, and, and I would even say love as, as a person, as a coach. Um, it's, it's something really special that I'm sure both of us would, will, will remember for the rest of our lives. Joining us now live on the show, Tommy Wielden Jr. Tommy, uh, you know I grew up in the northwest of England. Remember the band Happy Mondays? I'd imagine this is a pretty happy Monday for you, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is actually a good, good analogy, a really good analogy. It, uh, yeah, it's it's still kind of just washing over me to be honest, because it's uh, it's one of those like it's it's not like a championship final that you've won and the celebrations go on there. It's it's a marathon, and um, you know to be able to have achieved something as significant as we did and book our place into Concacaf with the company that's in there now. I think it's all just starting to filter now, and we've done it with two home games to spare. You have, and I love the word significant because it is significant. Mm. Let's get into that in a minute. But before we look back a little bit too further, let's look a bit shorter. Take me back to Saturday. So you win at York, you gather everything up, it becomes a road trip, you get back to the airport. I don't believe the flight was too delayed. You get on the plane. What's the mood like? And uh, obviously, t talk us through following the game and then when it all kind of went off, as we saw in the videos. Yeah, so it, it's fortunate now with all the travel miles we have, the guys are able to get into like the WestJet lounge. So what was really cool is they're all walking in their tracksuits, having a bite to eat. And there was, a, there was a calmness about them, knowing that all we've ever said on, on this is just do what we need to do against the opponent in front of us. And then we'll take care of or control the things we can control. And that's all we did. So you can at least watch it in a relaxed state because we have got the three points. And it was a tough three points against the York side that give us hell in that second half. Um, a few battered and bruised bodies. But as we're watching it, you know, staff are over one, players are over one. But you can hear. And, and, the, and the time delay between each was interesting. And the way the game started with the Daniels early goal and then the response from uh, Wubens Pacius were like, Wow, this is a game. And and then I think we're all a bit taken aback by the, the Dada Luke and Duncan incident. I think that rocked the lads because, you know, as much as there's rivalries at place, the safety of players and fellow colleagues uh, was pivotal. And, you know, fortunately, I was able to talk to James Merriman after the game as well and get a check in. But that rocked us. And then we get on the flight, game re resumes. I thought Adam Jenkins did a great job in updating people about the health and, and wellness of the of the players. But then we watch it and we didn't think we would be able to watch it in the in the air. But our video analyst, Daniel Hutchins, got on the One Soccer website, not the app. And for those that do travel with WestJet, do it through the website because you can actually stream the games. And we had one in the front, one in the back. And we had to tell the WestJet um, stewards that, you know, uh, the flight attendants that, 
if there's cheers and yelling, please let people know we're not a crazy group of guys on a stag. This is a, a professional football team that potentially could win uh, a place in the CONCACAF Champions Cup and, and, and win the league. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the story. And then when it did go through and then there was that feed where at 2-1, it cut because of the delay. And we're like, what's going on here? And we're checking flash score. And, and then suddenly we chop back in and said, there's been a goal, there was a cheer. And then I think the celebrations have now been shared. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. What a brilliant story. Yeah, don't worry. Don't call the police on us. We don't have to have yeah, yeah. landing. <laughs> don't drop us off in Winnipeg on the way back, please. <laughs> uh, you, spent enough time, you spent enough time there in a bubble yeah, before. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you get back to Calgary and then obviously you get to share it, I'd imagine, with some staff mm. members immediately as well, yeah. Tommy. You played a big part that didn't make the trip. Yeah, so what was nice is we had families, friends and fans that were there greeting us at the airport, which was a nice, you know, uh, surprise and delight for us. So, that kind of got people going, I know. And then everyone separated off in their own way. And some of the players and their wives went out for dinner. And I know I just literally sat with my family just around the fire pit with a a nice cocktail and just a, wow, we, we, we did it. So it was um re- really cool experience. And, you know, what we're going to actually address the players this morning, because there was some that didn't travel. And, and we've always said, you know, this is the cavalry. This is the army of people that have been a part of this success. It's not one person that's made us win this. It's been a million little details from lots of people along the way. And uh, I think that's what we're going to do, acknowledge today, um, the achievements so far, and then we can move forward on what our next challenge is. Let's get into that word significant then. You are the league mm. champions. You've won something mm-hmm. that football people that follow leagues all around the world mm. will have a com- tremendous amount of respect because of the the, the the amount of work that it takes to win mm. that, right? And that's what mm-hmm. football are about, about, you know, titles and you've won a title mm. here. You've also been remarkably close in the past. One, you you, you could have won titles if they were honoured in 2019, mm. but you've been mm-hmm. remarkably close to lifting something in the past. Tommy, does it make it a bit sweeter that you actually didn't do that? Like if you had won maybe an, an All-Star Shield in the past and now you win this, does it make it a bit sweeter that this is your really your first major silverware that it is a league title? Uh, no, I'd have collected them all if I could. <laughs> I, could I, think, I think they're slightly addicting. And you asked Pep Guardiola or even I was looking at Sir Alex Ferguson and someone had sent me, you know, his history. And I think it was his sixth or, or even his seventh season before they actually won the league at Manchester United. You don't get that amount of time with managers these days. I think it's interesting because when we go into the recruitment market and of the foreign players, when we're talking to players and agents overseas, they always congratulate and say, oh, you won the regular season in 2019. You've won the season in 2020 because if you look at it that way, we tied the points with uh, Forge in, in, what was it, 2021. They had better goal difference. So people, when they do their brief research on us, think that we've got more titles than we actually do. But now I think, like I said, I think it's, it, it was remarkable from the um, the commissioner to say, look, there's two CONCACAF firsts to go. Let's make it significant, you know, because I look at what Ottawa did last year. That was incredible. They were incredible, you know, um, because they, they got the points. They got the points on the road. They, they went from last to first. And they should be recognised for it. You know, Forge before that should probably have another league title in, in it and ours included. But now you can celebrate both. And I do, I've always said, for the longevity, the purists will always favour the, the the regular season and the supporters, there's an excitement in that. And we've got both. So let's let's enjoy both. Yeah, well said on that one. Um, as you craft a champion, 
you also have to have that balance between on-field talent and off-field mentality. Um, when did it click to you that this group was different? Was it as early as the preseason? Was there a certain moment this season in a game that this group was different and they had a bit more of that, um, I suppose, collective wiseness about them? Um, I think it was a, a constant evolution is what I'd say because the preseason, we actually, once we self-reflected, and I think you've got probably interviews with me before. I, I said we overachieved last year. We actually shouldn't have been just a bad call away from reaching a final. We weren't good enough in a lot of aspects of the game. And we said, right, we have to look at who we bring in. Uh, they have to be characters and, and capable players. We, they, we, we need to have difference makers on the pitch and difference makers in the, in the locker room and in the communities, people that care for the crest. Um, and I think we've worked even through the season when we've made some trades and things like that. It was tough to let Jose Escalante go, but it was for the right reasons because he wasn't, you know, it, it, his family was on his mind. You know, uh, our goalie, uh, you know, it, he stepped away. We brought in a new goalie coach in Jake Davis. Uh, they were tough decisions to make. You know, Mickey Cantav, you know, he, he's done great at Vancouver. And in Mile Henry, we've got, we've got another young diamond. Um, and all the while, we were trying to create something. We tried inverted fullbacks in preseason. You know, we, we got beat by Portland Pilots, NCAA team in preseason. And we're like, we got work to do here. And and this was just, but we were trying something. And, and I always go through that forming, knowing, storming and performing about team building. I'm a big believer. I wouldn't ever say I'm the best coach, but I know how to build things. And, and I knew I could see the struggles and, you know, there's no success without suffering. And, and I think we went through that. The biggest challenge was obviously the, the the six ties in a row, if you include the can champ and that went to penalties. We hadn't tasted victory for six games and we hadn't really lost. We knew we were onto something. And I think, you know, the Ottawa game at home was significant. I think the Pacific game away where we took the two-goal lead, we ended up winning that game 2-1, I thought, because Pacific, the way they started, they were dangerous. And to go and play them at their place and the possession we had, we were right. We found something here. Let's lean into it. And we kept going. Yeah, some great stories there. This has been a league this year. I was just been in the office this morning talking to the commissioner, a league of what I called leads relinquished, not given up because I like mm. relinquished because it shows what mm. teams do well when they're behind. In fact, we've had 57 leads relinquished this season. We had 44 all of last season. So get teams, it just shows you games that are always going from whistle to whistle. Um, you actually are tied in the league of giving up leads by 11 this year, but most of it is all from the start of the season. You had eight in your first seven games, which is remarkable to think. But the big one for me, seven in your first eight, the big one for me was Ali Moosey's free kick against York because mm. Babouli had tied it again and, you, and you'd given up another lead. And I felt mm. like you needed to learn how to win. What was that like mm. when Moosey put that in? I think it was your seventh game and you got that victory. And finally, you could, we could start saying, hang on, this is a team that's unbeaten and not winless, which is a big difference. Yeah, it is. And, you know, like I said about success without suffering, the, when, when you have challenges, that's the only time you build resilience is, is through the times that challenge you. you know, when we're winning now, we're not really building resilience. We built that resilience early in the season versus the late. We, you know, we, we've often had to learn the hard way through the playoff system. Now we learn to early. Moosey's magic and that's him. That's him in a nutshell. He's got it in him where he can create something out of nothing and the way he stepped up, but he rehearses that. So when he's standing over the ball in front of the foot soldiers, it was just this confidence, but it was the move prior that Gote got it. Mm. And that's when everyone started to say, Woof, this kid can play. He just, I think he skipped past about three people on the way to there and was hauled down. 
And I thought, right, this is the moment now. We've got that dynamism in our attack that, that can hurt. And then Moosey's quality. But, I mean, you know, it's great because you're seeing also Sergio now probably having one of his best seasons with us most minutes. But he's now scoring in important goals, right? When we beat Ottawa at home to beat an Ottawa away to scoring the winner at York on the weekend. He's that pivotal, you know, emotional anchor. And Marco making big saves, right? There's, there's been some big players. But, yeah, that Moosey free kick was something else and the start of a cracking journey. Couple more with you, Tommy, before we let you go. You mentioned mm. earlier about what uh, people around the world talk to you about these success mm. um, in terms of regular season. No team has earned more points in regular season since the CPL side than Cavalry. Mm. And a lot of that has also got down to the fact that your home record is absolutely immense. Mm. You now come home to play two more home games. And if all goes well, you don't need to go away again. You know, I mean, that mm. must be pretty refreshing as well to think that I know how confident you are. You got two more home games. You won't take your foot off the pedal. I know against mm. Valor, you get to lift the trophy. But how much are you looking forward now to building a little bit more of that camaraderie in, a, in hopefully a, a long stretch of four games uh, at home that can lead to another trophy? Well, I think with this group, what I've understood from them, and I think you've seen it when you were doing some of the interviews, they just they're so competitive, whether they're playing you know, a Catan or a partner's board game or a game of cards or a game of juggle at the end of practice. They're so competitive with each other. So as a coach what and our coaching staff, we have to challenge them. We've still got objectives that we actually want to meet in the regular season because when the history books are told, yes, we'll have a trophy for it and yes, we'll be first place. But we also want our points total to be a certain amount, our goals for and against to be a certain amount. So we still have targets we want to meet. And I think that's what we've got to do. Um, our fans are something else. Our pitch, like, I think it's has been as good as it's ever been. You know, credit to our ownership. They replaced the grass next, last year and, and our grounds crew, they keep it so good. Like we, we train on it when we're in, in the home weeks and uh, we're looking forward to getting out there because our fans, like the energy, like it's everything from the families that we have in the section to the foot soldiers and the supporters group that bring the, the flares, the TIFOs, the banners to the kids that wait around afterwards. And our guys are so great in giving their time. You know, you, you get Marco as the captain. They'll bring the guys out and, and Dan Klomps and they'll be signing autographs for half an hour after the game, sometimes even longer, to just give back because that's what this community means. And you see it with our, our crowd. It's growing and growing exponentially. We're never going to come in and make a big splash. You've got to you know, earn people's time and love over time. And, that, and that's what, what we're doing. And to be able to have the opportunity to finish strong at home is all we've ever asked for. Yeah, and have the opportunity now to be crowned a champion in front of the fans of Calgary, you know, and bring that trophy to a city that I know is so close to you and your family's hearts. That's pretty mm. special. Yeah, it is. I mean, Calgary's been great for me. It's uh, my adopted home. They've taken me in, so it's all a case of trying to give this city back. And we've been short of trophies of late, and we've got our first one. And, you know, we also know that in playoffs, right, nobody's won at home. So why not be the first? So that's another great challenge to uh, put to this group. Great points, my friend. Look, winning is hard, right? You know that. That's why I love covering it. That's why you love the, the, the seeking for it. Enjoy it, my friend. You deserve it. You're a champion on and off the pitch. A great man. Congratulations on a fantastic season. Not over yet, uh, but thanks for spending some time for us today on this Monday. Thank you, KJ. I appreciate the time. 
Great stuff. The great Tommy Wilden Jr. who joined us just a few, uh, obviously just a few hours after winning the trophy on Saturday. And they will be crowned the champions of the Canadian Premier League Shield. They'll get to lift that trophy on the last day of the season. Back-to-back home games to come against Vala. And then they can lift that trophy on the last day of the season against Pacific on the 7th. A reminder, you can still play CPL Predictor Weekly, brought to you by our friends at TonyBet, campl.ca backslash predictor. I'll get it out in a second, where you choose the correct scores and you can win up to $20,000 tickets to games. It's all there on the site. Keep playing because now you're knowledgeable and you can still get all the results right. From the top of the from the top playoff spots to the bottom playoff spots, we now turn our attention to. And the, re, the race is really strange. We've seen what happened to York. What about Halifax? Uh, that meant the Halifax win on Saturday in Vancouver. That would have booked their spot with York losing. Alex Yanguruzic was there for us as usual. AGR. In the end, Halifax knew a three points would have been enough to book their spot in the playoffs, but it turned out to be another remarkable finish as Vancouver FC completed a comeback with a win in injury time for the second successive home game. What was this like? What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Vancouver FC, credit to, to them. They, you know, they get eliminated from the playoff race. They win back-to-back games for the first time, uh, you know, in club history, which is an accomplishment that definitely can't be ignored back-to-back home wins as well for the the first time uh as it was just a you know a thoroughly entertaining game uh, you you wondered you know given what was at stake for Halifax especially the way they started to as you can see in these clips it's all Halifax it was for the first 45 minutes uh, it felt like Vancouver could hardly get a touch in the ball and you kind of thought okay uh, Halifax really wants this uh playoff berth and you know heck even beyond the playoff berth it, it's important to note a win for Halifax really put would have put them into that mix for you know finishing second and and the, the possibility of even you know hosting a, a final at, at Wanderers grounds they're still alive in that race barely I mean it helps that the you know they'll play Forge this week but to their credit Vancouver responded to that they kind of took a punch in the mouth right before halftime and then it was all them from that point on they got their gold through Batar and then they pushed they pushed and it felt like uh, it was a winner I, I I'll profess that in the press box I was joking to someone uh, you know, because it was getting to the end of the game, it was rainy, uh, and you know, someone's like, "Oh, I, I'm gonna go try to get a jump on the press box uh, or in the press conference early." I'm like, "There's gonna be a late winner, trust me." And uh, it happened, so I kind of felt like uh, rewarded for for that patience in that in that regard. Ah, I love it, Mystic AGR. You know what? That's down to that's intelligence and seeing things in the past. You know, when you a game you go to, usually there's always something in it, and you've been there, you've lived it before, and you're learning from your experiences. I love that. Listen, I want to talk more about this Vancouver team in a second, but before we do, let's go back uh, to, to the stadium and hear from their head coach, Ashvin Gotby, on the reaction that his team came out in the second half after what was, as AGR said, a lackluster first half. I'm not sure if you want to hear what I said to them at halftime, but uh, I was very uh, disappointed of the first 20 minutes, and I was very disappointed of the goal we took at such a crucial moment in the match right before the halftime. Um, and I think uh, my message has always been about passion. You have to, every time you perform, every time you play, every time you wear your shirt, every time you have this badge on your chest, you have to give your all. And sometimes I feel that uh, there's a complacency, uh, not just with our team, with all the teams in this league. And I'm hoping that uh, we can change that by creating more competition in in this league and bring the kind of uh, spectacle that fans want to see. And uh, our job is to promote this game and our job is to bring uh, more fans and create more fans. So uh, I think the, the message was simple. It's raining, people left their house, they're sitting in the stadium without a cover. They're getting wet. They deserve our best. They deserve everything we got. 
And I think uh, we got that from the, the players in the second half. And, and that's how it has to be every half and every game. Yeah, quite fascinating words. You know, when Ashwin Gottby speaks here in this country, we should listen because uh, he's a football man around the world and some interesting take there about complacency and, uh, you know, players having to give what they get um, and obviously give more back to the fan base as well. Vancouver have done that low lately, Alex. You know, in fact, they've got 12 points from their last seven games. They've got four wins during that run. What that means is for the last six weeks in the CPL, only Cavalry and Forge have been better than this team. Uh, during which they've also been eliminated. So they haven't been too complacent. What impressed you again about them and and, and who? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I love the stat as well about the 12 from 7 because if you average that over, you know, it's easy, put times 4 over a full season, it's 48 points. That's Calories just won a title with 49. Like, yeah, that's, that's a good amount. It really shows how good they've been lately. And uh, again, in this game, uh, I, I liked how they won in a different way because over the last you know, a couple of weeks, they put in some good performances from, from start to finish. And then this one, it was flat and it was kind of like, okay, maybe, you know, that high of winning in Winnipeg in midweek kind of caught up to them. Their legs were flat and they, and they responded and they went uh, very aggressive in the second half. They went to more of a four, two, three, one, instead of the four, three, three, they've been employing. Uh, and, you know, some players who impressed, uh, are, you know, are, are Gabriel Batar, who's, you know, he's, having a quietly very good end to the season. That's what four goals in his last couple of games now over the last about month or so, uh, you know, Mickey Kentav came off the bench and immediately brought a spark and, you know, cause he's been starting lately, got a deserved rest came in immediately. Those two, they, they bring a bit, a bit of something different to that attack. So I think you look at some of the other options up front, we know what Alejandro Diaz can do uh, at his best. It's clear that he's still getting up to speed, getting up used to the, you know, the new team, and, he, you know, he hasn't been able to get the hit the back of the net lately. Sean Hundal as well has, you know, he's he's been better at the nine, but Diaz has been kind of holding the nine position. So Hundal's had to continue to adjust. But Cantave and Batar have really taken a lot of the the, the offensive load over the last few weeks as their, their two strikers have maybe, uh, you know, struggled to, to find the back of the net. And that's huge because it shows already this team, they have options in attack. And when all four were on the field together, it, it was fun in the second half. It was pressure. It was uh, different waves. And, uh, you know, you add in what Renan Garcia continues to bring in that midfield. We we talked earlier in the season about how they were lacking an option at the six. He's, you know, he's added a bit of solidity. I think this team just has more balance now and they're able to adjust. They're able to, to, to really take it to teams when they want to. And they did that to Halifax. Like Halifax was visibly struggling to even keep the ball. And we know they don't do that against very many teams or anywhere. And that, that was a big surprise. And shout out to all those players for, for helping make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it was a team effort, no doubt. And I know you circled Elliot Simmons as being your man of the match in your analysis on Campia.ca as well. Let's go back to uh, the stadium and hear from the player reaction, hear from the midfielder himself. Here's Elliot Simmons. I think it probably comes from, you know, the coaching staff ourselves. Like, we knew starting off that half, we were we knew it wasn't good enough. Like, I think we are quite disappointed in ourselves as we, as the second half showed, we can do a lot better. So I think just, yeah, coming off that first half knowing... We've got to step it up, you know, it's raining, fans have come out, families have come out, so just want to put it right and put ourselves back in the game like we, we know we can. Fantastic story developing in Vancouver and, yeah, great to see. It's still, you know, they've still got games to come. They've got to play York United, the last home game, get out there, get your tickets and support that team. The biggest story, though, was in the league, uh, the biggest story was Halifax Wanderers collapsing in that game and not stepping through an open door. Uh, to get into the playoffs, uh, AGR, and, and guarantee their spot. They did play Monday night. They had an emotional win that night. 
shorter week a little bit to travel out west. Do you feel like simply fatigue in the second half? Caligari dominated for 45 minutes, but then didn't have the game as much in the ball in the second half. What did you see? Obviously, we give Vancouver a lot of credit, but what did you see from the Halifax side? Yeah, I think fatigue of some sort, you know, maybe hard to say even physical. It was almost mental at, at, at times. I think it was just sloppy. I think that was the big thing. I, I kind of alluded it to it earlier. Just like the first goal for me, that is so unlike Halifax. Uh, it wasn't like Vancouver was employing, you know, a, a strong high press. They were kind of in this mid block. Halifax was playing out the back and they missed a routine sideways pass. And next, you know, two passes later, it's in their net. I just thought it was, un, you know, very just sloppy and, um, I don't know if it was the pressure of the occasion. I don't know if it was just the, the emotions of the last week catching up to them. But unfortunately, those are mistakes you can't uh, afford to make. And maybe, you know, maybe they thought they could come into Vancouver and kind of grind their way to a win, uh, you know, without without much thought. But it also shows uh, what Vancouver has been able to, to do. So, yeah, for Halifax, I think it's something where, you know, it's, they're going to have to respond to this. Uh, you know, the pressure is on for them. What's nice is they control their destiny. No matter what happens, they win one of their next two games they're in. So it's, you know, they can have a chance to look at this, but okay, maybe the occasion got to us. Maybe it was just the travel and everything because the travel hasn't been easy. You know, you, you've also only won ro- one road game on the, you know, all season. So they can head back to Forge, put this behind them and, uh, you know, just try to focus on that, that unique opportunity that they have to just clinch on their own terms because uh, they just... We're, we're not near the standard they needed to be in that, that second half, I don't think. No, I think the next evolution for them is seeing out games when they're winning them, right? I mean, obviously, we talked. I talked earlier about Leeds relinquished. It's been a theme in the show. Talked to Tommy Wielden Jr. about it. Cavalry have 11 Leeds relinquished this season, tied for the league record with Halifax. Halifax lead the league in 18 points given up from winning positions this year. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a lot. And I know, I know a lot of it came early, but it just goes to show you that they've left some points on the table. That might be a positive if they can see through it. Um, talking of positive or negative, not too high, not too low. Let's hear the thoughts of Patrice Geyser after this one. It's one game at a time. If this was our finals or a playoff game, we're, you know, probably going to flip this table. But um, it's not. Like, it's never too high, never too low. Um, and I said this to someone I was doing an interview with. If you look at my reaction to the Ottawa game, I wasn't, I wasn't doing a backflip or running because I know you're going to be in games like this where you're going to lose it last minute and you're going to win it last minute. You know, do I think um, we deserve to lose? I certainly don't think so. I think we won the first half and they won the second half. That's the definition of a tie. But nevertheless, it doesn't matter what I think. It's the actual results that counts. And I think they made a lot of impact and they committed a lot of numbers. So, you know, for our guys, it's whatever happened today stays in that change room. Um, We lock it and leave and prepare for Forge the moment we walk out of here. So that's part of being a professional and, you know, being an adult. Like, whatever happens on a bad day, you shrug it off, and the sun will be up tomorrow. Sun did come up, and thankfully the table remained. Big break for the table that didn't get flipped by Patrice because it was still there for the next interview. Is from Zach. Let's hear from Zach Fernandez. Uh, no, for sure. Uh, I think, uh, like you said, now we focus on the next one, and I think it's going to be important to prove that uh, <clears throat> we're a team that can be in playoff, and to do that in front of our fans could be amazing for us, for sure. 
as AGR said, a big one, no doubt, against Forge this weekend. That'll be a huge game as well as we continue. And they're all pretty big at the moment. Thanks, AGR. Appreciate your work. Continue the great stuff at campio.ca and, of course, One Soccer. Final stop of the show takes us to the nation's capital, where we bring in our own Benedict Rhodes, who is our correspondent for this one. Uh, Benny, Atletico Ottawa were blessed to be the last team in contention to play this weekend. The team chasing them lost. The team they are chasing lost. Uh, they came in winless in five after giving up three injury time winners this month. Surely in front of a packed, well, not packed, but a big crowd of over 7,000. It was time to turn the tide against bottom club Valor. Did it go their way? Not really. Expect the unexpected. What happened here? Yeah, like you said, it was a game where Ottawa really had to win this game. I think, you know, to, to move up in the table, you said the team below them lost in New York. The team ahead of them lost in Halifax. Um, the spotlight was on them to, to go out and win this game. And, and, you know, despite their best efforts, especially in the second half, they just couldn't put the ball into the back of the net. And obviously you're not going to win any games if you don't do that. And and that kind of uh, let them down in this game. Uh, they had their chances. They had, you know, especially in the second half, they really ramped up the pressure in the last 15, 20 minutes, let's say, to to really try and, and, and put the pressure on, on Valor and, and find that late goal. But uh, in the end, for the fourth time in five games, it, it was them on the receiving end and, on YouTube here was just one that was, I think, wholly preventable, and and they paid the price for it. Boy, did they ever pay the price for it! I mean, every credit for Valor. We'll get into them in a second, but this is really, really difficult times in Ottawa. Difficult times. This is a time of year where they expected to be lifting and contending for trophies, and they are playing their worst football. And it's not even a debate. Their worst football of the season, uh, comfortably, and. You know, when you can't score goals, you open yourself up to losing games. They've scored five goals in their last six games. Let's think about these goals for a second. Two of them were absolute gifts. Fillion's gift in Halifax, right? We had the the, the Callum Irving gift in Vancouver. Just gifts, right? Huge mistakes. We had a Luke Singh worldie, uh, and we had a Maxime Tiso free kick. That's how hard it is. That, that, that's four of their five goals. And another one from Salter in injury time. That's how hard it's been for them to score goals this year. Um, it's been so difficult for them to score. Uh, so let's go back to TD Place and hear from their thoughts of their uh, their under-pressure manager. Here's Carlos Gonzalez. It's like a deja vu, you know. It's a repetitive situation in which uh, trying to think in a normal state, not thinking only in the punishment of the last minute, I think that we were better than Valor. I think first half was quite quite equal, but I think in second half we were we were better than them. We created chances. We weren't ruthless enough in those moments that you have to score and you need to to win the game. And uh, another bad action of a detail, of a disconnection, of a bad luck. What can I say? Uh, in which you lose the game because of because of that. So. So I think that that's my resume of the game. Yeah, bookended. Not a great start to the season and not a great finish to the season. They only had one win in the first seven. Now they're winless in six. During the part of the the middle part of the season, you could make an argument they were one of the best, if not the best, sides in the CPL, Benny. Uh, but what's fascinating about this is current coach of the year, Carlos Gonzalez, who's clearly very talented, has got an enormous job on his hands now, has he not, to try and get this team up and get them in to then try and figure out how they can contend. Yeah, like you said, I think, I think it was July where he was the coach of the month and, and Ottawa were looking like they were going to go and maybe even win the regular season title. That's how they were playing at that point. And um, in the last few weeks, they've just looked a bit out of sorts. Like you said, the, the goals haven't been coming. And 
you said he's the coach of the year. He's going to have to show why now. I think this is the, the part of the season where he's under the most pressure. Obviously, you want to be not only just scraping into the playoffs, but in good form going into the playoffs. And, you know, if they can maybe win these last two games of the season, go in hot, you know, they can be any team on their day. They're, they're very good on the road as well. So if you get that fifth spot. So, um, yeah, this is, this is the part of the season now where it's going to be up to, to uh, Carlos Gonzalez and, and the players to really say, like, we have to raise our levels right now. And, and that game against York on Sunday – if they win the clincher playoff spot, if they lose, they're two points back with one game to go. So that game next weekend is going to be absolutely crucial. Yeah, huge. That's a great point you just made, by the way. If they get in, that's what the message should be, no? Uh, you know, Atletico Ottawa's got a fantastic marketing uh, marketing group. Carlos Gonzalez has got his motivational speech already. No one will want to play them, right? That's what they're going to have to say. Like, you know, we didn't win the league. We didn't, you know, we, we they may have to run the gauntlet and finish fifth and not play at home. We don't know. Maybe they will get a home game. But either way, you know how nasty they can be. No one's going to want to play them. There was one positive who came out of it. Obviously, uh, it was the final game, a regular season game at home uh, for Mr. Ottawa himself in, in football, <laughs> really. Carl Howarth, it was a tremendous day for him, Benny. Before we hear from him, what was it like to see the players walk out with the shirts on there and just honor a special human being? Yeah, he's someone that's been so ingrained in, in Ottawa for, for the better part of 10 years now. I think it's 2013 when he first joined them. Uh, as an amateur player, knowing that they're going to get the Ottawa Fury professional team the next season. So uh, to have him be around for that long. And and he said he remembers days when they would have, you know, 50 fans watching them at, at a college stadium and now they're playing in front of seven, over 7,000 at a TD place. And to see that evolution and how integral he's been to that has been pretty special to see. And, and you know, when a, you and I have covered Toronto FC, for example, for a long time. And anytime you heard about the Ottawa Fury, it was always, they have this great right back who, who scores lots of goals. And, and that man was Carl Howarth. And, He's been a legend in, the, in Ottawa for so long, and, and to see him honored with his family on the field and, and the huge standing ovation he got when he left the field as well it was very special to see. Really special to see because ultimately, at the end of the day, the first thing about him is just the class acts like a good human being. Just be a good human being and you'll get what you deserve. That's the, the, the hope. And he's, he, he got everything and more what he needed. Here's some thoughts after this one uh, from the Athletic Ottawa skipper. Result aside, it was still, um, you know, I think a happy day for me, a good um, a good send off, if you will, if we're if we're not able to kind of take care of business and get another home game. Um, to see so many uh, familiar faces in the crowd was uh, was something special. You know, people who I've seen um, ten years ago and, and kind of grown with them, grown with football here in the city. It's been uh, it's been yeah emotional. Nice to see uh, to have my my family here in town as well to to share that moment with them was was pretty incredible as well. Every credit, uh, you know, guy born in Southport, right? Grew up watching the Premier League, big Everton fan. And uh, again, another Canadian football player, Canadian soccer player, whatever your choice is, who did a lot more than many people thought they would. And uh, that's a real credit to him and his family. A quick word on Valor, not easy for them. First time winning back-to-back -back away games in 15 months after a difficult loss midweek at home to Vancouver. Here's the thoughts of their head coach. Here's Philip Dos Santos. So when you get in moments like that, you want to see the integrity of the guys and how they're going to stick to finishing things off in a professional way. Um, and it was a hard week for us, very difficult emotionally. And sometimes, you know, you had playing on Sunday, uh, losing a game that we, we felt we shouldn't have lost uh, once we went up to one. Then you lose a game also with an individual mistake uh, or collective mistake. 
on, on Wednesday and you have to fly here and play another game right away with what I consider being even more of a, a, a wear on the players, is, it's the emotional one. So for them to come out and, and respond in a very difficult game, difficult because there's the pressure of the opposition, there's an environment where uh, it, it's, we know what this game meant or uh, meant for, uh, for, for Ottawa. So um, to come out and, and be able to absorb some of the, the low moments we, have in, we had in the game and then find the goal is, is a demonstration of character. And there's just some guys in our group that we're proud to have. And you know the team responded to a, today, but there's guys that you look at and you say, from day one of the season, they were just warriors. And uh, hopefully we could we could just build from this. They'll look to build on that in two more games against teams who've got a lot to play for. They've got a Cavalry next. That's no, no reason. And Halifax at home uh, to end. So still games to play here, Benedict. They're important for this team. Yeah, and Ren, yes, he said after the game, he, he wants to be the spoiler. He wants to be that the guy who, who steps up in these final games and, and kind of maybe impacts a team like Halifax, for example, who are going to be playing big games these last couple of weeks. And uh, that's something they're going to embrace. It's too little too late for them, unfortunately, but uh, they definitely want to go out with a bang. And they certainly do not want to finish last in the table. Thanks, Benny. Appreciate you. Let's take a look at the table in the CPL with two weeks left, two, two weekends left to go in the Canadian Premier League. Cavalry top and done and dusted 49 from 26. The race is still on for the rest. Forge second, 42 points from 26 with Halifax away and Atletico Ottawa at home to come. Pacific are third on 40 points with two to play. Vancouver at home and Cavalry away. Halifax are fourth, 36 from 26. They finish with Forge at home and Valor away. Atletico Ottawa are fifth with 33 from 26. And they go to York uh, this weekend and finish with Forge away. Not easy there. And York are still in it on sixth with 32 from 26. We've been saying that for three weeks, but they still have it and they're still in it. They finish with Atletico Ottawa at home and Vancouver away so they still absolutely have a chance here's a look at the week 25 schedule board four games on three days starting in calgary on friday night which will be a celebration no doubt as they uh, welcome the champions back to atco field and a reminder they'll lift the trophy on the final home game of the season when they take on pacific halifax forge on saturday is the start of a double header the tony bet match of the week it is named for a reason what a clash that is at the wanderers grounds pacific at vancouver the rivalry exists the fourth rivalry again this season and most of those games have been absolutely fascinating to watch that is at 2 p.m local on saturday and the aforementioned game on sunday a clash wow an ontario clash between york and ottawa sixth versus fifth for the right to get into the playoffs two more weeks and then the postseason as the leaves turn and the air gets cooler it simply means there is so much more to play for ultimately what that is is to accomplish things of real significance, to leave a, t a lasting impact and win something with a group of people, for a group of people, and for a region. That was certainly something Tommy Willen Jr. has had on his mind for some time. Finally, he got his wish, and he brought a title to Calgary, Alberta. Yeah, I think we've got that. Uh, we've always had that healthy chip on our shoulder for the way 2019 was. I mean, I, I'm not sure, you know, even this group is ever going to get to that points total. Um, and we had nothing to show for it. And that's one of the most dominating regular season uh, performances, you know, and the way the spring season was meant to be was we were meant to go to CONCAF. We were meant to have those experiences. So we felt like 
that was taken away from us. So I think now the guys that are still around, myself included, we've used that as a motivator to say, right, you can't always guarantee things. Let's, you've got to earn things in this life, in this world. Um, so to see the, the, the club, see our ownership group um, who, who back us immensely, to see the fans that are keep coming out in numbers, you see them in red and green everywhere, to see the players and the young players coming through, I think it would just be incredible um, accolade. And uh, once you get one, you, you, you chase another, right?